Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Good to have you back for Podcast 295. Kurt Morrison here as we take a dive into influence, motivation, self-persuasion, especially today, first impressions, because the cement dries fast. It's been a busy week for me. I did a two-day in Houston. Got a day off. That's what I'm recording the podcast, and I'm off to do a two-day in Chicago, talking about different aspects of persuasion and influence. One is how do you influence without authority? How do you lead the leader? How do you get other people to want to do what you want them to do and like doing it and especially help making it their idea? Chicago will be power negotiation and learning the difference between persuasion tools and negotiation tools because there is a big difference. Hope things are going well for you. You're enjoying your summertime or I guess wintertime depending on what part of the world you are in. We've got a worldwide audience. Appreciate you listening. A little housekeeping, of course. MaximizeYourInfluence.com is where you can find the free book, Maximum Influence. Take your Persuasion IQ test. Send me an email at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Or take a look at InfluenceUniversity.com for the archives that are available for free. There's different levels of membership there. Let's jump into it. Let's make this happen. Let's do this. Let's get into the geeky article. So I don't know if you can hear that or not in the background. I've got an ice cream truck playing annoying music going down the street. I didn't even know they still had ice cream trucks. That does bring a lot of good memories running out, getting the money and buying ice cream. I didn't think they exist, but they do. I'm looking at one. And you're probably hearing the music. Let's get back to the geeky article, the Journal of Learning and Memory. This is about bad smells make our memories stronger. We've talked a lot about smell in the show and our olfactory system, the power of a perfume, a good smell, a bad smell. I mean, any smell goes instantly to the brain, can trigger a lot of different types of emotions. I mean, think about the smells with perfume and cologne, that Old Flame, that boyfriend, you smell their perfume, their cologne, what happens? And the answer is it depends. If it was a good relationship, a good breakup, you're going to have good feelings. If it was bad, you're going to have bad feelings. And so it does depend. But smell is a very powerful thing, both on the positive and negative side. But now they're taking bad smells and linking it to memory. They found that memories are stronger if an unpleasant odor was part of the original experience, is what the study found. Again, Journal of Learning and Memory and Kathleen Hartley at New York University found that results demonstrate that bad smells are capable of producing memory enhancements in both adolescents and adults. When she doesn't talk about them, but there are anchors. I mean, smell, you smell something, it triggers response. Pavlov's dog, they hear something, they salivate. They can create anchors, positive or negative, and that's what it's doing. This bad smell is creating an anchor And I don't know where they're getting these bad smells, but anyway, they did some studies that people looked at different images. Some were objects like chairs, and others were scenes like a snow-capped mountain. And the participants were viewing these images. They were wearing a nasal mask. 
It was connected to an olfactometer. There's your word of the day, right? I guess that's how strong this smell is. And when they were looking at an image, an unpleasant smell was circulated through the mask. And while they were viewing other images, they used unscented air. Now, these smells, I guess they created them. Again, I'm not sure where they got it. One was rotting fish. One was manure. Good, good fun smells, of course. And they went through these images. Negative smell, no smell. So they got them back a day later, and the researchers tested the participants on the memory of the images. And it didn't matter the age, young and old, the images that were paired with the bad smell were easier to remember, right? That's an anchor. This suggests that being unpredictable or the surprise, that smell that came out of nowhere, can link that image with the smell. Now, one thing they didn't talk about, and I'll have to dig a little deeper, is did they reintroduce that smell? Because if it became an anchor and you smell that bad smell, it would be even easier to recall that picture. So why great persuaders can get in a good state. They might smell something positive. They might look at a picture. They might have an affirmation to get them in the right state to be able to persuade. You can use this to be more successful. As we talked about the last couple of podcasts, the mindset, having the right anchor. They're using a negative smell to jar the brain to make it easier to remember. And people do remember these pictures much better with the negative smell. And I'm going to add to this too. They'll remember even more if that smell was introduced. It would also be much easier to recall the picture because they would be paired together as an anchor. And of course, I'll post this study at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. If you want more information on that, that's our geeky article of the day. Be careful of your smells, especially body smells. Perfume and cologne in the workplace uh, hurts your ability to persuade and influence because most people wear way too much. And some people have a very sensitive smeller or a sense of smell. Nightclub, dancing, your rate is more attractive. There's a time and place. But what does your office smell like? What do you smell like? Those could be triggers, positive or negative. So with the geeky article out of the way, it's time to jump into the persuasion blunder. Go! Don't, don't, don't! This goes out to the estate of Oregon. You are not allowed to pump your own gas. Uh, New Jersey does the same thing. They add a little bit more to it. And I pulled up to the service station and I waited. Nobody came. And I knew they passed a law that for smaller cities that you could pump your own gas. I guess they're smarter in smaller cities. But this guy comes running out as I start to run my credit card. No, no, sir, you can't do that. It's against the law. I can't even pump my own gas. Number one, it's a blunder because it makes me mad. I mean, it's so easy to do. It's convenient. It's nice. You have your debit card out the window. They take care of everything. But what is the purpose of this? People are smart enough. Do you want to treat them dumb? But here's the blunder. I mean, again, some people like this. Some people don't. I don't like it. I want to take care of it. I don't wait for someone else because they help three or four people at the same time. It takes longer. I don't like lines. But here's the challenge they don't realize it's cost them i'd say millions or billions of dollars is when you pull up to that convenience store and hand your debit card out the window i noticed that most people just sat there they didn't go inside and that's keeping people from going inside and buying items and that's where they make the money most gas stations make their money in selling other items now maybe if the person says hey can i get you anything make it easier for people to buy that's one thing but most people don't go in. Compared to most gas stations, people just put on the auto lock. It fills up. It stops automatically. They go in. They purchase something. They use the restrooms. They're purchasing a lot more. 
The states that allow you to pump your own gas, there are more people inside the convenience store than the states that don't. Anyway, it made me mad. Treat me like I was dumb. Didn't like it. Again, some people do, but the biggest blunder is you got to get people engaged and involved. If you're making it so easy for them, even if you're charging them, you're missing out on long-term sales. So that's my angry rant. That's the blunder. I can't pump my own gas. And he did get mad that I was attempting to pump my own gas because that's not allowed. And I'm not smart enough. And I know I'm exaggerating a little bit, but that is the blunder of the week. And that brings us to our content via reader email. Oh, boy. This comes from Victor in Denmark. Shout out to Denmark. I am half Danish, half Czech. So that's the, I guess that would be part of the motherland for me. He says, Kurt, love what you're doing. Love the podcast. I am so grateful to learn persuasion and influence. It's changing everything that I do. Now, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but this is what I want to know. I... I want to learn how to pick up people from the opposite sex. (laughs) Okay. What could you teach us about picking up the opposite sex? Well, Victor, this is a family show, and (laughs) I'll still give you access to InfluenceUniversity.com. Remember, if I read your email, you get access to the gold membership at InfluenceUniversity.com. You know, I've done research on charisma and attraction, And I have turned down seminar opportunities and speaking engagements on how to seduce the opposite sex and how to be more charismatic. You know, I do it on charisma, but, you know, I just kind of, does that kind of cross the line? But I will tell you what I will talk about is first impressions, because that's all about seducing. That's all about attracting the opposite sex. That's also about job interviews. That's about negotiation. We could talk about first impressions, because that sounds like, as I continue to read your email here, that it's the first impression that's getting you the most. So since it's a family show, I will talk about first impressions because the cement dries fast. Sure, you can fix it, but a lot of times you won't get the opportunity and it just takes so long to change that first impression. Because it's interesting. Even when you talk to somebody doing a job interview, HR departments, they know within 30 seconds if they're going to hire you or not. That's first impression. True in negotiation, true in persuasion, true in dating. Whatever factor of life you're in, first impressions is critical. Now, some of you say, well, that's not fair. They shouldn't judge me. Well, I agree, but they do. That's who they are. That's how we're programmed as humans. That's just how it is. So what are they judging us on? Well, of course, it's our appearance. Some things we can fix, some things we can't. We know that taller people are rated more charismatic, have more power. Most CEOs are taller than average. Do you look athletic? Do you look fit? Do you look fat? I mean, people judge on all those things. The shape of your face, your hair, your hairstyle, your accessories is all part of this. Most cultures, white teeth are rated more attractive. Some cultures, it's not. It does vary by culture to culture. If you have larger than normal ears, you might not come across as smart as you should. Slouching, that posture, when the way you walk into a room, that hurts first impressions. That's something you can fix. You not be able to fix your face, but you can walk in with more confidence, back more erect. That's something you can do. Facial hair could decrease trust on an instant level. Long term, it's a little bit different. Old hairstyles can decrease that rapport. High foreheads increase the perception of intelligence. And excess weight, we know, decreases credibility for males and females. And so this appearance, your weight, your grooming, your hair, your accessories, your clothing, 
is all part of that process, those first impressions. So the way you walk in the room, your clothing, and have somebody else judge your clothing, I know that. I know my wife will say, you're wearing that. You're leaving the house in that. Sometimes I'll just throw some things on. Or when I travel with suits, sometimes they get a little crumpled. They're not as sharp as they should be. That could be an issue. I know that's an issue for me. So looks are real. That's just how it is. We know in the judicial system, the uglier convicts get longer prison sentences than the better looking ones. That's why they don't wear their orange jumpsuits to court because the jury's there. They'll put in a nice sweater or they'll put in a suit. They look like such nice people. They're not. They're murderers. But that's something they know that works. So the clothing, the way they look, they make them shave. There is a judgment factor there by the jury. One thing people don't think about as far as attraction and first impressions is personality. When you show people different pictures out of a yearbook of, you know, attractive people and semi-attractive and not so attractive people, but when you tell them about their personality, if they had a great personality and you had a lot of great things to say about that picture, they judge them as more attractive. So personalities can make you more attractive or less attractive. You could also be proxemics, how close you stand to somebody. When you're meeting someone for the first time, they need a little more space. As you get to know each other, that space gets a little smaller But if you're a close talker getting their space, that could repel them. That could hurt the first impression. Another one that many people don't think about with first impressions, and again, you don't have much time to do this, is similarities. Finding something in common. That's what sparks a relationship. If they can't find anything in common with you, your background, relationships, your morals, your interests, your sports teams, your children, something, if they can't find anything in common, That does repel people and does hurt first impressions that you have nothing in common, nothing to talk about, no reason to do business together. That can definitely be an issue. Now, it's on the nonverbal side, but even on the verbal side, we can do things that can have a disconnect like vocal fillers, um, or, uh, you know. Big complaint after I interview people after you've tried to persuade them. That's one of the fun things that I get to do is vomiting, just talking too much, over-persuading, not knowing when to shut up. Hurts the first impression. Another one is getting too friendly too fast. And that's a big shift because you used to be, let's get to know each other. Let's talk. Let's find something in common. And, And those are important. But I've seen lately that they need to make sure there's something in it for them, that you're credible. There's a reason to talk before you start doing the friendly chit chat. But a lot of people launch into that too fast. They try to get too personal too fast. Ask questions that are digging a little too deep too fast can be part of that process or just getting too comfortable around them too fast the way you sit in their office touching things on their desk could be all part of that using old school persuasion techniques like talking about the fish on the wall or old persuasion tools that should have been retired a long time ago or it's so obvious that you're going to try to sell them something and you need something from them that does hurt a first impression And these mistakes kill your ability to be charismatic, to be influential. And here's the hard part. I call it the persuasion pitfall is that most people will never say anything to you. They'll never alert you to the fact that you're repelling them. They don't like you. That is a bad first impression. It's happened to you. You go to a car dealership or a furniture store and somebody pushes a little too hard, too friendly, too fast in your face, trying to close you right away. You're like, just looking, come back later, get more information. I'll call you back. Yeah, whatever lies, but that person never knows that. They just thought you just didn't come back. They'll probably never figure out that it's their demeanor that's repelling people. It's that bad first impression that's repelling people. If you want to go to the archives, that 
InfluenceUniversity.com. It's uh, Podcast 82 is on connecting with your audience and making sure you're not saying stupid things that hurts that first impression. The one being the lie. Oh, yeah, they're expecting my call. I talked to them last week. We'll kill a first impression. Exaggeration of any kind. Unnecessary or too personal questions too fast. One that's interesting that came across the radar is being too smooth. Right? Maybe too salesy. Trying to win an argument. Lack of enthusiasm. Bad attitude. Saying negative things about negative people. One-sided with your facts. Being insincere when you're trying to connect. Of course, any sign of deception or any type of lame excuse can do it too. So it's a variety of things from verbal to nonverbal that can destroy that first impression. This is real. That first impression is critical. Is it your eye contact? Is it too much, too strong, too glaring? Is it around 70%? Are you mirroring their eye contact? Is it your gestures? Do you have distracting mannerisms or repetitive mannerisms that annoy people? Are your shoulders squared up to them? Are your feet pointing towards them? Little things we don't think about sometimes that can make a huge difference. And what I know a lot of people don't think about is touch. Touch can help a first impression or destroy a first impression. Some people love to be touched. Some people don't. Some cultures touch a lot more than others. Now, one thing, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Go to the archives if you want more information on handshakes. But a bad handshake will set you back one hour in building report. It'll destroy your first impression. You've had those handshakes before. You're like, oh, you're just like, ah. Right? You're doing that on the inside, but you're just like, man, woo. It destroys everything. That one handshake. Handshake is touch. Make sure you're doing a good handshake. What are the complaints? Crushing, too strong, too weak, too many pumps, too sweaty, too cold. Grabbing your fingers. And I think we don't realize many times that you can adjust your handshake. You can mirror their energy. You can mirror their pumps. You can mirror a variety of things. When you do a good handshake, make sure your shoulders are lined. Good eye contact. Mirror their strength. Two to three pumps. Right? Your arms completely extended. You're not pulling them in. That's another big complaint that people have. Watch your handshake. You're so worried about so many other things that you're missing that first impression. It doesn't matter what you say if they don't remember it, if you can't talk to them again, or you have a bad first impression. It is real. So, Victor, hopefully that answers your questions. Yeah, and you want more with seducing and other things, but it doesn't matter what you do. In persuasion, influence, negotiation, first impressions are critical. If you're dating, if you're in the workplace, you're meeting someone for the first time, doesn't matter where you use these, first impressions is critical. The cement dries fast. Again, you can repair it. Takes the time. You might not get the opportunity. Work on those first impressions this week. So thanks for listening. You can find us at YouTube, iTunes, Spotify at Maximize Your Influence. This week's YouTube video is on intuition, one of the laws of charisma. It's a power skill that will shock you. It was one of those skills with charisma and interviewing people that wasn't even on the radar, but it's a power skill. We'll talk about that on the YouTube channel. Any questions, email me at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Hit the like, hit the subscribe. Tell your friends, family, and enemies about Maximize Your Influence. I do appreciate that. Learn to master the art of influence. Learn the skills of negotiation. Learn how to persuade yourself and others. And when you have the tools, that's when you qualify and become 
a power persuader. 